Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. We want to show people our best sides so they recognize we are humans just like them. And there's no difference in the color of our skin. My guest today is Brandon Belisso. Brandon serves individuals, businesses, and companies in living their best life. As a critical thinker and influencer, his passion is to inspire the discovery of purpose. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Brandon Belisso. I hope you enjoyed part one as much as I did. And I think that's why our industry suffers and continues to, to this day. One of, one of the things, I got to give you kudos. I was at an event in New Jersey. I'm in New York. I was at an event in New Jersey. And we, after the event, a bunch of us got together and we went, you know, to get some drinks. And of course, I drank water because I'm driving. <laughs> and one of the guys says, you know that guy, Brandon? I'm like, yeah. He goes, I got on the phone with him i had a question and i'm not even his client and he spent about 45 minutes with me and he gave me great advice and not once did he ever push a sale on yeah and because then we don't give authentically sifu right and sure right no because but this is the kudos to you right because he was blown away and so when i said to him i said okay he gave you great advice i said he gave to you, what have you done with it? Mm-hmm. And did you give back? I said, did you even send Brandon a thank you? Did you do anything? He's like, no. And I said, oh, I see. <laughs> and that's the problem. Yeah. Well, learning to pay it forward. Yeah. People only want to take. They only want to take. Well, we know paying it forward is so important. Oh, yeah. And that is my choice. And I choose to give freely because there might be that school owner on the edge, right? Where just someone show them a little love, show them that they are valued, show them you are important. So go out there and make a difference. But you're right. There are a lot of people like that that are just takers. And I've heard you haven't, you're not the first person that has said that to me. You know, there's a lot of takers and, and that's because they live from the scarcity mindset. And here 
Life is a series of missed opportunities, Sifu. And to spend 45 minutes with me freely and not take that information and turn it into wisdom, because information is just information. Wisdom is like you said, did you do anything with it? Yeah. No, you didn't. <laughs> you went right, right back to your same old ways. And sure, it's good bar talk. You can tell me that, you know, I'm important. Brandon Beliso gave me his time. Right. That's what he was really saying. Yeah. That's because he's viewing me through a lens of scarcity. Versus here's an aha moment. Mm -hmm. This guy's giving me some really, and he's taking time out of his day. So I must be important. I must be genuine. You know, I I must be real. Let me go out there and and make a difference and pay it forward. We've heard that term, pay it forward, right? Pay it forward. And for me, it's always service before selling. And if organically, right, you choose to hire me, you'll do it on your own. You'll do it on your own. And you'll pay me a lot more money at that time because you've done your homework. You, you've experienced my giving. You've come watch me speak. You've listened to me at social media. And that's how most of my clients come to me. I don't sell because the, I, the first thing they taught us in speaker meetings, right? I'm here at Century Super Show. Uh, please don't sell from the stage. It's not what we're here to do. <laughs> yes. Do it from your booth after blah, 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 blah. And guys still sell from the stage. All the time. Oh, you're the gold sponsor. I guess it's okay for you to sell. But I made that commitment from day one. I will never sell because then it's not authentic. I'm going to give because I have a message and I have real information I believe can help people create their version of success and live their best life. Anything less than that, I got it. What's my angle? Let me say this. So you buy this. Let me, oh, let me do this. So you, that's manipulation. It is. And true art is in the freedom of expression, like Bruce Lee said. You know, you just got to express yourself. And that's why some people get me and some people think I'm a lunatic. Some people look at me and, you know, and critics are just critics and there's a lot of them. And I can tell you for every person that likes me, there's a lot of people who don't because I'm pulling back covers through my own example and saying, take a look, take a look. And if you haven't seen your toes in years, maybe you need to change your diet. Maybe something different. Yes. You know, really, instead of just laughing it off and, and letting your, your junior instructor go teach because your bank accounts filled, you rationalize your behavior. Not, not in our industry. I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. Again, unless it's medicinal or it's a thyroid issue, mm-hmm. there's no reason why a martial artist should be out of shape. Absolutely none. I'm with you it's, a thousand percent. And it's, yeah. it's a shame because when we think about a martial arts instructor who is spewing health benefits and does not look healthy. And it's like you said, smoking a cigar, can't touch their toes, can't do this, can't do that. Can't walk up a flight of stairs without losing their breath. Losing their breath. Yes, sir. Oh my gosh. And yes, sir. And, but, but they own eight schools. <laughs> They own eight schools. So that's all that matters. And I make a lot of money and I own real estate. So I, it, there needs to be the balance, Sifu. And you know what? I, I was listening to um, Originals, the book Originals. And they talked about that, like in the civil rights movement with Martin Luther King. He never, ever wanted to use anger because it just fueled the fire of racism. It didn't heal it. So he always wanted to come from a point of empathy. That's why he was a pacifist and, you know, he preached peace. He says, if we become angry and we fight, then we're no, we're just feeding that fire of racism. We're not quelling it. 
We want to show people our best side so they recognize we are humans just like them. And there's no difference in the color of our skin. So I'm, I've tried to really shift that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say, you guys are out of shape. You need to stop teaching. I want to say, you guys with contracts, you suck. No. I just simply want to say that maybe through my humble example that you might discover through your own journey, your path to create your version of success. And that needs to be spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, and financially. Yeah. One's no greater than the other, but I believe they all need to be there. And we in the martial arts industry are so primed to do that because we can really create these unique cultures, not cults. But if you look at the word culture, the first four letters are cult. It's cult. Yeah. Are cult. Mm-hmm. And again, what's your choice? Like you said at the beginning of the Sifu, you wake up every day and you have a choice. Yeah. Cult, culture. <laughs> cult ego make the, make the right choice <laughs> yeah cult is ego culture is humility and that's it and if we can create these real cultures god the potential and growth of our schools can be phenomenal it can be phenomenal it can be. but do not disguise it with a groovy uniform and to, you know ask me to speak at your black belt test and none of your guys could even throw a front kick because you, know, you do time-based yeah we don't test we do time-based you mean if i simply show up i get my next belt yeah that's... that makes no sense to me whatsoever zero zero sense whatsoever yeah i did one where i was speaking and i was like i thought i was in a dream These guys couldn't even kick their stances were poor mm-hmm. everything and people were applauding them like they were mom's apple pie and i was confused I was so confused and their uniforms had stars and patches and the black belt club. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I was really confused. It's a sad, it's a sad day by that because that's not what I grew up. I didn't grow up that way. You know, in 1967, we didn't even have black uniforms back then. Mm -hmm. We had to take the writ dye and dye white uniforms. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So there were no centuries. There were none of that. Nobody was selling retail equipment. You know, we would take a stick, saw it in half and get a couple of screws and some dog chains to make nunchucks. That's right. right? So there was no retail side of martial arts. So I'm very blessed to have lived that. But there are people that are born into that salesmanship in martial arts school. So they think it's normal. And sure it is by all standards. Every kid has an iPad and they're born into the metaverse now. Mm. So will they ever know what it's like to go out in the backyard and play with a stick? No. I don't know. I don't know, I, but I believe I, that. I never had sparring gear. What is I that? never had sparring What's, gear. I know you didn't. I never. Some kid walked in with a groin <laughs> cup from Little League and we thought, what is that? Yeah. Well, we have to wear this, this groin cup in Little League. Why? That might be a good idea. Because <laughs> all we did in Kenpo was kick to the groin. Right. So we started with that. And then my first shin guards were the varicose vein, you know, support hose that women wear. Oh, really? Right. And we stuck an air conditioner liner. Oh, my Wrapped gosh. around pipes. We <laughs> cut it in half. And we stuck it in. And That's we too funny. That's too medical funny. tape. Yeah. That is way too funny. Yeah, yeah, there was no uh, Junri was the first one, right? With the yeah. safety kick and the safety punch. That didn't even exist. No, I, I, I still hate sparring gear. I hate yeah, it. Yeah, I do too. Because but you're you lazy. Because you're lazy and you don't keep your hands up. Yeah. Right? You're lazy. Unfortunately, we have to use it nowadays because of lawsuits and so forth. But and you know, everybody doesn't want their child to getting hit. Yeah. It, I understand that. Then they can't look at the iPad anymore. 
Um, but <laughs> so tell me if you had a magic wand, Brandon, what would you change about our industry, our martial arts industry? I think number one, there should be some type of governing board outside our industry. You know, just like restaurants, a health inspector can come in. There's certain HR OSHA rules that need to be followed. I really, really believe that needs to happen. Mm. And then somehow, some way, they have to be verified. They at least have some form of a legitimate black belt. I don't care if you made up your own system, whatever. So there needs to be an outside governing board. Because you can go across the board, any Apple store, any McDonald's, any, you know, there's certain health codes and standards that need to be followed. I believe that needs to happen. These small little infractions that feed people's pockets and people's egos needs to stop. So that would be the first thing. And then second, really, if if I could wave a magic wand and everybody was stripped of their ego and they recognize we're servants of the community, Versus I'm the master and you're the lowly student and you're lucky you get to train with me. So I'm going to lock you into a four-year contract and you're going to teach for free. And you're going to, you know, if all of that could go away, which I know is probably not humanly possible today, because ego is is so such a thin line between ego and confidence. And unless we're really committed to the self and we transcend, because when you fully are whole and you live a life that you're constantly transcending, stripping away the layers of unauthorized thought patterns, getting to the authentic self. And that means being vulnerable. Mm. I can't tell you how many videos I post and people go, are you okay telling people you were molested? Mm. You know, you're the professor. Right. Yeah, I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am. Absolutely. Because it happened. <laughs> yes, I am. Because I'm not going to live in shame of anything I've done, because if I keep those skeletons in the closet, I can never transcend my higher self. Well, are people going to want to train with you if they know you were a womanizer? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm saying, look at me, you know, I came from this background. I came from poverty, physical beatings, molestations, ill thinking. And because of the martial arts, mm. this is who I am. So again, if we could strip the ego and more school owners were willing to get authentic and real, I think they'd find they'd endear more people to them. And then they'd be willing to give and move from that scarcity mindset into a growth mindset. And, you know, and I think women in our industry need to have a much more, uh, a more dominant presence. Totally agree. So I'm a huge advocate for the woman school owner. I'm a huge advocate to work with the woman school owner because it is still a man's world. And I think it's horrible. You know, that it's that way from the politics all the way down into our industry. I think that would be a magic one I would wave. And then three, not being afraid to teach martial arts at a level that's hard. Right. You know me, I'm big on the Disney experience and make it fun. But mm. accountability is important. Oh, yeah. One day, these young people are going to be out in the world. And I'm challenged by the fact that we have people running around crying. I need safe space at college because it just hurts me emotionally to hear people talking about this political issue or that and their profanity. You know, get some thick skin. The world is not going to cater to you. And if we if we have the value system, I'm not talking about ego, where we whip you with belts and the gauntlet. Right. I'm totally against that. What do you do when someone gets their belt in jujitsu? You whip them in a gauntlet. I'm, I'm not into that. <laughs> I'm not into that. Not at all. It's crazy. Not at all. Because I understand that my father used to use the floor to punish me. 
Mm. Right. And when I got physically stronger than him, because I was younger and bigger, you know, he would use other students to try to beat me on the mat. Mm. I mean, physically beat me. The state champion, heavyweight black belt, 35 years old. I'm 16. That's not a good day. That's not a good day. Mm. And my father's school isn't big. You can't run. Mm. So, I mean, I took many beatings on that floor. So I think that is unhealthy. But I, I do believe we need to teach martial arts that is challenging. We need to teach martial arts that is hard at times, at times, but we need to have enough humility and vision to know this person needs 30%. This person needs to be pushed at 150, but that takes being committed to serving your students versus them serving you. And and that takes a lot of humility. So I could wave that wand all day long and ask for a lot. (laughs) Yes, you can. You know, tournaments are a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother conversation. They're ran so poorly. People work for free, mm-hmm. but I get it. Mm-hmm. Most guys work a day job. They have a club. Right. They go to these tournaments every other weekend. People treat them like they're a god all day and then give them a plate of food. Mm-hmm. That's a bad business model because only the tournament promoter's lining his pocket, right? right? right. Mm-hmm. I think that needs to change. Yeah. Pay judges outside our industry, a whole nine years, but I could go on and on. Yeah. But it's because I was here when martial arts was a baby in 1967. Where you're right, we would go train with other schools and jujitsu and a guy named Richard Kim. And, you know, we train with all these people and nobody ever got mad. If you punched me in the face, I thanked you because I was happy. (laughs) I was happy because I didn't have my hands up. Tell me how you did that. Throw that at me again. What you're saying, punch you in the face again. Yeah, because I want to try something else now. Yeah. Right. That's long gone. That's long gone. Now we drive, so, you know, I heard someone drove by somebody's schools and threw their flyers all over their, their front sidewalk. Mm. Oh, it's, it's wow. It's wow. That's crazy. But what do we do? What do we do, Sifu? We hide it through this guise mm. of, of just old, false accurate. No, we teach honor. We teach commitment. We're all about humility. No, you're not. Mm. No, you're not. But you know, it makes real good sales rhetoric, looks good at your website, looks good hanging up on the wall. But we have to be leaders by example. We have to be. But that means being vulnerable. That means pulling back our own covers. That means saying, you know what? That 19-year-old black belt can throw that kick better than me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to offer him a wisdom that will outweigh that, that kick. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And on and on. On and on. On and on. Yeah. Uh, you know, too, too many people are still teaching techniques that I see all the time. And I'm like... That would never work in a real life situation. Mm-hmm. We need to stop that nonsense too, right? A lot of it wouldn't work. You know that. Because a lot of what we've learned will not work, Sifu. We both know that. Yeah. It has to be reality. How many forms do you do? Oh, yeah. How many forms do you do where you know that will not work in a street situation? Right. It's not meant to work in a street situation. Right. Think of how many drills a football player does mm-hmm. that he never uses in a game. How many drills a basketball player does and a boxer on and on. And if we can differentiate between the two, because I think forms are important. Mm-hmm. Forms teach focus, balance, coordination, you know, discipline. It's hard to do a form. It's easy to stand there and punch a bag. Yeah. It's not rocket science, right? I know people on the street that could punch harder than most martial artists. Try to teach them a form. Right. It teaches you to be segment and detail oriented. It teaches a lot of things. A lot of things, but it's a part of training that serves one purpose. If all it's about is reality, buy a gun. 
Hmm. Buy a gun. If that's your only purpose is you want self-defense, buy a gun. I saw this. Thing. And know how to use it. <laughs> too. Some guy posted, they did, um, you know, tear gas training, mm-hmm. CR, tear, you know, pepper spray. Right. So they pray, they sprayed their students' eyes mm. and then they had to defend themselves against a knife, a club, I think even a gun. Mm. And this girl couldn't have been more than nine or 10. First of all, shame on your parents. Oh my God. Shame on your parents for letting that nine-year-old girl get sprayed in the face with pepper spray. Right. That's horrible. And you cannot defend yourself from a gun or a knife when you are blind. That's your number one sense. And you know, they're holding the knife like this. Mm. I'm not going to hold a knife like this. So I think it was a miss, but to the, in in defense of the instructor, his heart was in the right place. Mm. He really believed he's helping his students, but I don't know any nine or 10 year old girl that's going to get sprayed with pepper spray correct followed by a full-grown man stabbing them with a knife or hitting them with a stick Mm -hmm. or sticking a gun to their head so that's where it's a huge miss i think what we need to accept and embrace is somewhere in the world today a 13 year old girl is going to wake up who's been cyber bullied that's going to decide my best option is to kill myself Mm, that's a sad day Well, and that's what we in the position we're in should be really looking at. That's the real self-defense. But I'm not saying they shouldn't learn how to deal with somebody trying to rape them or attack them. I'm just saying we need to pay attention to why we teach and what we're teaching and the impact. The values. Yeah. But again, I watch that going, yeah, I wouldn't spray myself in the eyes with pepper spray. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? I'm completely blind. Okay, stab me now. Yeah. You know? That's that's so skewed. But that's what I'm saying. The lens that people see life through can be extremely skewed, extremely skewed. So, yes, forms don't work the majority of them. But I believe they have a purpose. They do. Just like doing a push up is a push up self-defense. Why does MMA fighters do push ups? Why do they throw a tire over? Right. Why do they do any of those things? Conditioning. I don't have to spin a truck tire <laughs> and flip it over and over when I fight. No. See, and so that's where I think we need to stop and really make that choice that martial arts is more than just combat. Mm-hmm. It really is. True self-defense is not being there, knowing where to go at what time. Yeah. Right. When I go into certain neighborhoods, I dress down and I take, you know, a different car. Mm-hmm. If you want to talk war, what is war? Sifu, deception, deception. And if I appear strong and confident and I walk a certain way in the neighborhoods I grew up in, that eliminated half of the butt whippings, right? Because I fought every day growing up, Sifu. My dad's got a big giant sign in the ghetto, Beliso Karate School. Every day I had to negotiate getting to school, being at school and somebody wanting to beat me up. Oh, you're that Beliso kid. Let me see that karate stuff, Right. right? So I fought a lot. And I recognize you can't fight all the time. No. You're, not. You're going to get shot and killed at some point. Because mm-hmm. if someone can't beat you up, they go tell your cousin, this guy beat me up. Great. Let me take my gun. Right? Yeah. yeah. So what is self-defense? What is self-defense today? What is it really? We have to teach self-preservation. Yes. Right? That's really what we have to teach. Yeah. Self-defense is not just physical. Right? It's mental. Mm-hmm. It's emotional, spiritual. It's everything. It's atmosphere, right? It's where you're at, who you're with. So it's all these different things. And you're 100% right of how we have to look at it. The instructors are out there. 
how are they teaching it? Because that's what I would like to see different in the martial arts world. I don't, and, and like you, I don't want people who are overweight, who are running eight schools to close their schools. I would rather them be healthy so that they can impact more people, so they can make a difference, and so that, that they can lead from a position of, maybe I was heavy, maybe I wasn't in shape, but I did something. And now I can actually lead you because, and like, why would I want to follow Brandon? Is because he's done it. He has proof. I want to go with someone who's done it and they have legitimate methods for success, right? Well, and we know there's nothing more romantic than the comeback kid. Oh, yeah. And to say, you know, the best part about being lost is getting found. You know, so to sit there and say, you know, I got into martial arts and I was healthy and strong and then I lost my way. But because at a heart level, it was instilled in my DNA, discipline, confidence, work ethic. I found my way back. Right. You can have that, too. Well, that's that's social media because it's all about telling stories. Right. Absolutely. You know, if you really want to be effective in social media, that's a whole story right there. That's the comeback kid. Mm-hmm. And then every guy can say, yeah, I used to be skinny, too, in high school and now I'm overweight. You did it. I can do that too. So don't be afraid to be authentic. It just takes so much energy. And I know what it's like to grow up in fear and have to walk down the street. Like, what you looking at? You know, it takes so much wasted energy to perpetrate a fraud and be and act a certain way. Cause you're afraid of getting your butt kicked every day. I know what that's like. Cause I lived it. My dad, I can still drive by my dad's school in the bad part of town. And he still has that big giant sign there. Mm-hmm. Beliso karate school. Mm-hmm. It still sits there. Wow. And I'm going, wow, I can imagine if I would have stayed there, you know, because you can't fight all the time. And I say that, you know, I ran in a gang and I wasn't at this party, but our 15 year old leader was shot and killed because mm-hmm. you can't stop a bullet. You can't stop a bullet. No matter what. I had another good friend who tried to help a woman getting her purse stolen at Fisherman's Wharf. He got stabbed with a knife and bled to death, mm-hmm. you know, and he was a great fighter, right. but he was a point fighter. Mm. You know, it's not the same thing. No, and I know we look at all the different martial arts out there. And I love that one with Jim Carrey, you know, that, that skit. Oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> yes. No, Matt, you stabbed me the wrong way. Matt, was that Mad I, TV? Yeah, yeah, that was that Mad was TV. And, and if we really want to learn martial arts, all bets are off. Let's go stand in a dark, wet alley and just go for it. Yeah. You want to see what really works? You won't know. You can have the most precise strategy, game plan, technique, and it goes right out the window. Because we know for every offense, there's a defense. So what's your point? There's no foolproof martial arts. There is no my ego clause better than your tiger kung fu. Because on any given day, your best technique will be obsolete. Obsolete. I've, I've experienced when I'm curled up in a fetal position and four guys are kicking me, you know, in the street. Oh, that didn't work. You know, I mean, it's about survival. And survival is that grit. Survival is that ability to get back up when you're in a fetal position being kicked by four guys or even worse, getting knocked unconscious mm-hmm. and waking up going, oh, shit, I'm still alive. Yeah. How Thank grateful God. am I? Yeah. You know, and, and, and crawling back home, crawling back home and going, Dad, I got beat up. You know, well, you're a black belt and a state champion. Dad, I got beat up. I got beat up. You know, can you take me to the doctor, please? I got beat up, right? I mean, so what are we discussing here? Mm-hmm. And it's because of the ego that we believe we're teaching people, you know, foolproof self-defense. 
There's no foolproof self-defense. Absolutely none. Everybody, Mike Tyson, everybody's been knocked out at least once. So I don't, I think it's obsolete. I really do. I really do. But that's a whole nother discussion because there's people (laughs) You're full of it. There's no way my tiger Kung Fu will beat anybody. Um, And and then the mouth goes after, right? Like in the old, you and I, you know, I used to watch the the Saturday night matinee, you know, channel Mm -hmm. five. I was in New York, Channel 5. All the Kung Fu Theater movies. was the one we Yeah, had. that's it. And man, you know, then we go out and we actually hit each other. You know, that was the fun part, you know. Oh, yeah. The first time I did a jumping tornado kick and this boxer hit me four times before my feet hit the ground. Uh-huh. I said, <laughs> I want to learn that. Yeah. I want to, because I swear, I threw a kick and before my foot hit the ground, this guy hit me four times in the face and body. I said, I want some of that. So I boxed for, you know, several years. So I'm saying on any given day, anything we create is obsolete. And that's the false sense of security we teach people. And we need to be mindful of that, extremely mindful of that. That's why even when I do a woman's self-defense workshop, three hours, I tell them at the end, I'm going to tell you, you're not qualified to defend yourself. It's a lifestyle. It's a habit. And if you're going to let me punch you in the face, you will never learn Mm self-defense. What do you mean by that? The exact truth is like Rocky said, or, you know, Sylvester Stallone, it's easy to hit somebody. You know, it's really about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That is the key. And the minute, yeah, we can stand there and all kinds of pads and all this and simulate. But no, let's take it off. Let me punch you really hard in the face and see what you do with that. Because emotionally, right? Just emotionally, you know. People are going to freak out on that one, yeah. Well, you see a kid, the first time they get hit in the face, it's almost like, what happened? And all these emotions. And did I just get hit in the face? Yeah. (laughs) I did. (laughs) It's funny. You know, you talk about that. I've had kids get hit in the face and there's two emotions that can happen. The kid immediately cries Mm -hmm. or the kid just like, Oh, that was good. My turn. And it's interesting when we do see that happen to someone because you can take it in two ways. You can take it in, okay, I got punched in the face. That's not going to happen again. Now it's my turn to hit you back. Mm -hmm. Or I don't know what happened. I don't know how to deal with this. And they emotionally break down. So, Oh, yeah. And and you're (laughs) processing that adrenaline dump. Yeah. So unless we truly get into an adrenalized state, that fight or flight reaction isn't there. You know, in in a controlled environment, I don't care what you want to tell me. It's a controlled environment. Mm -hmm. You know, at the recesses of your brain that they will stop before you really, really get hurt or die. Right. Because what what is our fear? I'm going to die. That's the fear. That's the ultimate fear. When you're in a real street fight, I could die. That's the truth. But if you're in a controlled environment in a self-defense workshop, whatever, you know, in the back part of your brain, this guy's not going to deal with the lawsuit of me dying today. Mm -mm. So there will be a safe word. There will be a cutoff. There will be a stop. That is not what goes on in the street. He will knock you to the ground. Him and his buddies will kick you into unconsciousness and you might die. And unless you've ever been there and I have, and I never want to go there. I never want to be there again in my lifetime. You know, I haven't been in a fight in 20, 30 years now. I never want to be there, Mm -hmm. but make no mistake. You got to level that playing field. Mm -hmm. You know, I studied Filipino fighting arts for 20, 30 years now, I keep a stick right there by my bed. Mm -hmm. I keep a stick in my car and I will hit you with it. 
Mm-hmm. I will hit you with it. And I guarantee you, anywhere I touch you on your body, it will create a lot of pain. Oh, yeah. And I know to hurt me, you have to come to me. So if you come into my space, I will take whatever extremity comes out first. And that's it. And I'm well-versed in that. Yeah. You know, you practice, even Filipino fine art, block, disarm. There's no block disarm. In- <laughs> you don't have time for that. <laughs> There's no block disarm. You hit them with that stick. That's okay. what you do. You hit them with a stick. So even that, I think, is false. Mm-hmm. We do these really cool disarms. Not for real. Mm-mm. Not for real. If I had a stick and you came at me, I'm going to hit you with the stick. That's the long and short of it. Exactly. That's it. That's why in real self-defense, I will hit you first. If I feel threatened, I'm not going to, it's honorable. I will block first. Yeah, there's no such thing. Yes. But unless you've been in a real street fight. Well, here's the thing, right? Let's, let's talk about what you just said. Because if, say you're a black belt and all you've learned is block first in a real street fight, if that's all you know, that's probably what you're going to do. And you're going to get hurt. Yeah. You're going to get hurt, right? Yeah. But, you know, the way I teach, I teach my students is it's your turn first. You go first. Yeah. You know, the only time that you don't get to go first is if you were sucker punched and you didn't see it coming. After that, it should always be your turn first. Always. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But and, again, yeah. they need to be. I remember the first time. And to be trained properly. Yeah. I, when I was thinking of turning pro mm-hmm. before PKA just started, right? PKA started. And I had a smoker, one of those smoker fights, they call them. And I made 200 bucks. And I remember getting kicked so hard in the face. My feet hurt instantly. Mm. That's, that's getting kicked. And I didn't go out, you know, but I kicked, got kicked so hard. And I have TMJ to this day. I have floaters in one eye. Mm. So I tell all those young martial artists, you pride yourself on all your surgeries. I'm going to tell you, I feel the pain. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel it later. Yeah. And I still I have TMJ. You know, I have to wear a night guard because my jaw is out of alignment mm. being hit because I'm a smaller fighter. I throw my left cross because I'm a lefty. I get hit here all the time on, on the right side. Mm-hmm. And from it, you know, who knows what kind of lesions I have on my brain. I'm going to, you know, be drooling at 70. I don't know. Let's hope not. I don't know, but I'm glad I stopped when I did. Right. Now, I stopped because I don't, I don't point fight. I haven't for 20, 30 years. We fight Mm -hmm. because why stand there with gloves on unless you're going to really help them learn self-defense you can't do that every night you're stupid i've never taught i've never even taught point fighting and i won't i won't let my students do it well and and christopher paul taught me that yeah yeah christopher we don't do tournaments like that but christopher paul taught me that he said imagine if the new england patriots had a full-on game every time they practiced Mm. nobody would make it to sunday no i get it that's practice i get it I get it. I get it. 30%. Kiyoshi Kovar taught me the same thing. I get it. But that's not what I grew up with. No. So that's why I tell people, you know, you really believe you're teaching true self-defense, then get someone to sign a legal waiver, go stand in an alley, and you go for real till somebody's unconscious. At least till they're unconscious. At least to that point. At least to that point. Because you will never really know what a real fight is until you're in a real fight. So don't tell me. You teach self-defense unless you've ever been in a real fight and you're willing to take somebody out in the back and have a real fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would never tell people at this point they're learning real self-defense. Get into a fight and come back to me and tell me if it worked. That's it. That's how you know. And, and if it worked, then, hey, right on. But I guarantee you that technique won't work on any given day because I've been there. I know that. So what is the point? 
what is the point? I think we should be teaching people how to get better jobs, to create companies, to do all that, be physically fit. And yes, you know, if I can teach you to hit somebody first, if you're ever threatened, good day. Yeah, that is a good day. Good day. Let, let's, let's talk about, and I know we've been going on for a while, and I think you and I can talk forever. Yeah. When we talk about, you know, fighting, right? It, you know, your passion shows, my passion shows. But let's talk about fighting for our business, staying alive, right? Why should, not just martial arts, but why should any business invest not only in themselves, like going to seminars and workshops and all these things, but why should we invest in a coach? You know, I personally have four coaches. So why should we invest in a coach? Well, because like when we were a white belt, I mean, it's the same thing. We needed somebody to teach us. And it's the same thing here. But again, again, when the student's ready, the teacher will appear. Mm-hmm. There are so many people who seek out coaches that are not ready for a coach, right? I've had people pay me a lot of money to not do the work. And that's why I work month to month. You don't do the work, I cut you off. Well, what do you mean? I'm paying you. Well, it's irrelevant. If it's not a relationship of value to me, then the money doesn't equate. It simply does not. I know consultants say, stop saying that, Brandon. I want to upgrade them to the mega mastermind program. (laughs) Yes. I won't because life is short. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just take your money and provide you with lip service. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important. We all need coaches, but we need to be do our own homework because ultimately, like Gary V said, somebody asked him, well, what book are you reading? Gary V said, I'm not reading any damn book. I'm writing my own book. Mm-hmm. Because eventually you need to get to that point. And I learned that, you know, I, I was under the tutelage of, of John Corker and God rest his soul. Mm-hmm. Right. He was the editor of Black Belt Magazine, MA Success. And I wanted to become a great writer. And in our industry, there's nobody better. Right. right? So I went to him and said, you know, what's the hardest thing to do? He said, write features. Now, I didn't want a month column. So I wrote nine different features for MA Success. And it culminated when him saying, mm. you're a black belt. I want you to go write a book. I said, yeah, but you've always edited my articles and blah, blah, blah. What do you mean? He says, well, <laughs> I've done everything I can do. You need to go write a book. I said, okay. So I went and wrote a book. But that's what I'm saying is, is a lot of times there's people that suffer from the victim mindset. And they go from mentor to coach to consultant, on and on. And they're in the same position they're in three years later, five years later. And I, when, when those clients come to me, I say, well, what's the one common denominator here? What's the one piece of data that's consistent? You, you. So I don't believe it's all the different coaches that, that you know, lack the information or the ability to move you. It's you. And you suffer from a fixed mindset. So that's why I won't work with you. Well, what do you mean? I'm going to pay you. It's not the only reason to do what I do. So yes, everybody needs a coach. We have them. We have them. But mm-hmm. ultimately, you need to become your own coach. That's where true empowerment For sure. lives. But you know what that requires then, Sifu? Accountability. Mm. If you're my coach, I can blame you if it doesn't work. I can say, well, Sifu told me to do this, and I did it, and it didn't work. Right. So he's a bad coach, right? We get that all the time. Mm. We get that all the time. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, well, ultimately, you need to become your own coach. That's it. So long story short, yes, we all need mentors, but we need to understand why we need that particular mentor. Do they fit our values? Right? We have to have shared values. And, and do we truly believe, because I'm ready to do the hard work, that you can help me create and achieve my version of success? But anything less than that, I'm just a Band-Aid. I'm just a wet nurse for you. Now, one more mm-hmm. 
one more war story. You can tell somebody that, yeah, no, those consultants don't work. It's like the guys who go to the convention. That's ah, the same old thing. It's the same old thing. We go to these things and it's the same old thing. No, you're the same old person. That's right. You haven't grown. <laughs> and you suffer from a fixed mindset. That's why I believe the message I offer is unique and it's different, but it's no, it's not going to have any bearing on your version of success. If you still suffer from the same mindset, makes no difference. Mm-hmm. Makes no difference. It does make no difference. Thinking about one of the things that you said, and I said, I have four coaches, right? But I wouldn't have them if I didn't think that they're helping me. They're filling my cup. Mm-hmm. And for me, I don't believe in having a coach. If I'm not doing what they're asking me to do, mm-hmm. then I'm wasting my time. I'm wasting their time, right? I've, always, I've never had four coaches before till now. And just because I'm doing different things, right? And one of the things that, and you said it, is a lot of coaches don't do month to month like you do. And the reason they do that is because they're trying to capture you for a certain amount of time. And if it doesn't matter if their coaching stinks, right? It's, it's because they've got you. It's that contract and it's hard to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Why do you, and I, you know, I already know the answer. You don't do that because I think, and, and I love that what you said is that I let them go. So you kind of fire all the time, your clients, if they're not, all the time. they're not doing what they need to do. And I, I appreciate that about you because I do the same thing. You know, and it doesn't matter who it is that I'm talking to. If they're not doing what I need them to do, then do I really want to spend my time trying to make them do something? I think that, and like you said, they need to be able to step up and do what they need to do in order for me to help them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you're the same way. Yeah, I am because, you know, I know that scarcity mindset, they want to lock you into that six month program, one year program, whatever the case may be. Because then they're guaranteed revenue. Nowhere in that equation does it say they have to provide a certain amount of service. They have to do ABC. If everybody had to guarantee the results, nobody would do a year contract. Nobody. Everything should be month to month. It's like a relationship. You know, and that's when I, because for me, remember, it's not about the lead. It's not about the trial. It's not about the student. It's about the relationship. Imagine going on one date, Mm -hmm. discovery call, whatever. You're on one date with this person and you say, great. Did you enjoy the date? Yeah. You want to continue dating? Awesome. Sign this one-year contract to date me. It's ludicrous. <laughs> yeah. If you think about it on a human level, right? On a human level. No, we're teaching commitment. If you can't commit six months to me, then you're not worth having. No, I say I'm only as good as my last movie. I'm only as good as the last class I taught. And people might think that's a little volatile in our business model. But you know, every time we step on the mat, we truly understand the one day closer to being a black butter one day to closer to quitting. You know, and that's been said in our industry forever. We truly, we don't step on that mat with fear. We step on that mat with, yeah, let's do this. Come on. Let me inspire you because this is the only class, the first, the last class I'll ever teach. And going back to that original saying, treat every student today like it was their first day. Think about that first date, the first kiss, you know, how much it matters, how significant that is. If we do that alone in our schools, our retention will get higher. Oh, you must strategize. And if they want to quit, you set up an appointment, you sit them in the office. And then the worst go-to is what kind of parenting is that? You want to teach your child to be a quitter? Oh, I could never do that speech. (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? If someone's quitting that day, they didn't quit that day. 
You quit months ago. It's like any relationship. If someone's breaking up with you that day, they didn't break up that day. They broke up in their head (laughs) months ago. Oh, yeah. Months ago. So really, like this Taekwondo master who came to observe my school said, you know, you guys sell all the time. I go, whoa, 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 so we don't sell. Yeah, the hello at the front door, the guy at the edge of the mat tying his belt, the, the, the amazing classes you teach, the goodbyes as they're walking out, the time you spent with that parent in the corner, you sell all the time. Mm. I said, then I guess we do. Yeah. I guess we do. I guess we do. And I'm cool with that. It's that experience we're going for, right? It's, it's, it's that, that family, you know, and I, I, you know, like you, I consider every one of my members family. And if I see someone who does not fit into my family, I don't even tell them about my program. You know, I let them try it out because, you know, we want to find out. But then, you know, I'm not going to sit down with them and say, hey, do you want to join? It's not worth my time or their time because they're not falling into what our family is. And for me, I protect my family. So my students are my family and I need to protect them. And they all know that. Mm -hmm. But we won't know that right away. No. You know, like anything. No, we don't. Right? We don't always have the best first impression. So it's month to month. No. Yeah. And and if you want to stay, fine. If you don't, I have fired parents. I have fired toxic parents mm-hmm. that sit in the waiting area and talk oh, yeah. poorly about us for whatever reason. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because life is short. Where we're always, you know, we're all one phone call away every day. I used to think you had to be old to die. Mm-hmm. You know, you could die anytime. Anytime. Oh yeah. So why spend it with people that or unhealthy, or people that you don't share values with, right? But I, I believe in originals. I love diverse thinking. So a lot of my team will challenge me, mm-hmm. but it's still rooted in values. Live your best life. We can live a better life if we teach it this way. Okay, how so? We can live a better life if we do this type of social media post. Great, how so? How so? Yeah. I ask for questions because pre-pandemic, I was only in the school a couple hours a week by choice. Mm-hmm. Through the pandemic, I've been teaching 40 hours a week again, and I love it. I mean, teaching is easy. I love to teach, but I want to affect more lives than a three to five mile radius of a brick and mortar location. So that's why I chose to do that. But and you're doing that. I'll always teach. Yeah. I'll never retire from teaching. It keeps me young, healthy, strong. And I think that's one of the huge misconceptions consultants teach. I want the freedom mm-hmm. that goes with the money of retirement. But to tell people, yeah. you must get off the mat and work on the 80%, not the 20. Blah, 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 blah. Let me get this straight. <laughs> I found myself on a mat. I found discipline on the mat. I found family on the mat. I found confidence on the mat. And you're telling me to remove myself from it, to work on my business versus in it. Mm. That for our industry is ill-fated. And I know I'm a big Michael Gerber guy. So I get e-myth. Mm. I get working on my systems, be the visionary, be the architect, right. not the technician. But make no mistake. That's why this guy's got eight schools and his belly's hanging over and he's got a cigar in one hand and a drink in another. Right. We're not that type of industry. We're not. We shouldn't be. We should not. Be. I, if I own a dry cleaner, I don't need to be in that dry cleaner every day working it for it to be financially successful. But I believe as a martial artist, that lifestyle, mm-hmm. you know, imagine if Jillian Michaels is a big, fat, overweight chick, right? Mm. She wouldn't be who she is, right? Not at all. So I'm saying we're in a much different industry. So we need to be mindful of that. I need to have a certain amount of face time on the mat in R&D with my team doing that in order to keep the product relevant and current, as well as preserve the integrity of the system. And I need to be with them because that's great leadership. That meme that we see with the guy sitting behind the desk, whipping the people as they push the rock and the new 
leadership they're up against the rock pushing with them that's what i believe is contemporary leadership and one in our industry that is real leadership yeah i don't think anyone's going to expect me at 60 years old to stand toe-to-toe with a 19 year old kid there's no reason for that Mm -hmm. zero because nobody wins if he beats me up i look bad if i beat him up i look bad so it's it's not a win-win it's not a win-win yeah, but it's no reason not to get in there and say, hey, man, you know, let me let me keep my 60 year old self up. Let's spar. Right. Let's spar. Just don't, yeah, don't hurt me. I have no problem saying that. You know, one of the yeah, one of the things that I I post every day, I post workouts every day. Mm-hmm. I do it on Facebook. I do it on LinkedIn. And the reason I do it, people say to me, why do you do it? Why do you post up? I said, because I'm trying to inspire other people just to move. Yeah. All I say is, listen, it does, you don't have to do what I do, but just move. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're in the fitness industry, if you're in the martial arts industry, move. That's it. It doesn't matter how you move. It doesn't matter if you do it badly. Just move. Yeah. Right? And eat healthier. You know, think about if your body is a temple, if you're telling everybody else that their body is a temple, then make your body a temple. Right? What you put in it. It's going to affect your life down the line, you know. But it's all easier said than done, right? It is. It is. Right? And, and, and that's, that's, that's the challenge. You know, when I spoke on that event yesterday, it's about motivating your team and, and management. I said, well, look at the word motivation. It's motive. What is your motive? Mm-hmm. Right? If someone's chasing me with a knife, my motive is to, pres- to stay alive. I'm going to run really fast. If I'm on a sinking ship, my motive is not to drown. So I'm going to figure out a way to stay afloat. It's the same thing here. In our culture, people wait until they have a heart attack. Then they may start eating differently. But if we can have that type of mindset where what I do today will take care of tomorrow, and then it's preventive medicine. Remember, Western culture is built upon fixing things that are broken, right? Only in the past 20, 30 years will you see a hospital start preaching preventive medicines, you know, eat organic, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Because think about it. If you're not sick, I don't make money. I need you to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> That's not good. Right? The pharmaceutical companies would go out of business if everybody was healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and we teach quick fix. Do this diet. Look at the first three words in diet. Die. Yeah. Right? You, you, you can diet. And that's why people lose the weight and put it on twice as fast. Because it's not a lifestyle. It's a Band-Aid. It's a temporary fix. And I think in our industry, it's the same thing as much as we teach. Well, you know, it's not about being a black belt. And I think that's why the whole black belt club thing is ill-fated. And we need to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. We're a black belt school. So people think that's the end all be all. Once I get a black belt, I quit. Yeah, it's not. And our black belt retention is really high. I would never sell my school as a black belt school. We are a black belt school. Join the black belt club. I would never, ever, mm. never, ever, right. never, ever, ever. Never, because we know true martial arts, that belt just holds up your pants. And how, how many people let the belt represent them all day long, all day yeah. long. So we don't sell it. What we, what we do is invest in a relationship of lifestyle. And that's the difference why our retention is so high at Black Belt and why our schools have you know, made it through the pandemic. And we're growing. We're back up to 920. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, yeah. Congratulations. You know, one of the things I did for October, is I took off my black belt and I put on a blue belt because blue represents bullying, right? Right. I saw that. I saw that. And, and the kids were like, oh, Sifu's taking off his black belt. And I said, it's not the black belt that makes me who I am. It's what's in my mind and my heart. 
And now the kids understand a little better that, yeah, I want to, and for me, I teach knowledge, right? Because it's really knowledge that is going to help us. You know, the belt means, like you said, and that's what my teacher used to say, hold up your pants, right? Well, knowledge only comes from application. Of course. And you have to apply that knowledge. Otherwise, it's useless. You have to apply it. All down, trial and error, pivot, adjust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, knowledge, you know, learning is one thing. Knowledge is another. It's the wisdom that we seek. Like O.S. Smith said, we're drowning in information and starving for wisdom. You know, we're starving for that wisdom. That wisdom only comes through experience, right? Mm-hmm. Getting punched in the face and putting your hands up. <laughs> okay, great. I have wisdom. That hurts. <laughs> I, I, I can first, yeah. first. Now I know. Now I know. <laughs> firsthand wisdom. That hurts. So keep my hands up, right? So I agree with you on that. And, and when a kid forgets his belt, I saw this one guy posted, if you forget your belt, he makes you wear a pink belt that's been soaked in water mm. and frozen in a refrigerator. Oh, my God. You forget your belt. I tell you, that's cool. The belt's not going to do martial arts for you. Let's go. Right? They're already embarrassed they forgot their belt. So I'm going to make you feel worse. Yeah, like my dad used to always make us do push-ups if you're late for class and, or sit in the corner in a horse stance until the instructor acknowledged that you were late and then let you come into the class. I said, Dad, the kid doesn't drive. You make the parent do the push-ups. <laughs> Why are we making the kid do push-ups? It's not his fault. Yeah. Not his fault. But again, if I'm a servant of the community, I'm just grateful you're here. Right? Yeah. It's that gratitude, right? It is. Living, living in and about gratitude. Because mm-hmm. it's... We're grateful you came to our school. You, we're grateful you chose us. Yeah. Because look, even though martial arts is very small, there are a lot of schools. A lot of people pass a lot of schools to come to mine. Yes. They do. And I know because they've told me. And I know because even on my way to my school, I see a lot of schools. A lot of them closed, but I still see a lot of schools. So I am grateful for that person who decided to choose us over them, why did they choose us? And then the other thing is I spoil my members so much that if they ever decided that, and maybe it's too far to go to Raphael's school, or as they call me, Sifu, I'm going to go to the one right over here. They're going to come running back to me because I've spoiled them in such, with such customer service, with such a feeling of I belong that. You know, I, during the pandemic, I only lost three students and none of them were martial arts members. They were fitness members. That's very cool. Yeah. And so, and it's because of that delivering. During the pandemic, I only lost three fitness members. And because I, I immediately went to Zoom before even my school system did. And even the school system reached out to me for me to do stuff for them because I pivoted and I knew how. Yeah, we were up and running with Zoom within a week. No, I know you were because you, you did a couple of events and everything, and it was, it was pretty cool. And when we think about everything that everyone comes to us for, they have to have a reason to continue coming. Yes. Right. With you, they, they come because of the experience that you're giving them, the value that you are giving them. And I think for anyone who is a martial arts school, it's, we have to build that value into the lessons that we're giving. So people need to understand what they're giving. And sometimes 
and you talked about it before, it's like, oh, I need to upcharge them, I need to do this, I need to do that. Instead of thinking, they'll stay with me and I'll get more value and they'll refer more people instead of me trying to upgrade them all the time. It's more of let them be a family, let them be part of a community and the community will grow if they are getting more than they perceive to be getting. Well, and see, there's the mindset shift, right? The reason I do what I do, because it is not good when they drive by all those other schools and they come to you. Mm -hmm. The problem is, because the scarcity mindset, 1% of the people do martial arts. So we're all fighting for scraps. Or imagine if Mm. 30% of the population did martial arts and every one of these schools could be filled to capacity, right? They should be. I'd say so. And they should be. It doesn't help us. Right. Bad martial arts schools does not help us. It hurts us tremendously. You know, because I look at it, I think entertainment, which is huge, right? We have the UFC, Mm -hmm. huge. We have Mortal Kombat. That just came out. We have that new Marvel character, right? Martial arts. We have Kung Fu. The series is back on with that girl. We have Cobra Kai. Mm -hmm. So we are saturated. There's martial arts media everywhere. And why is it still? We've lost 35% of our industry through this pandemic. I think it's going to be closer to 50 when it's done. And and we're still singing the same song and dance we did pre-pandemic. It's a brave new world. You and I are in a position to cultivate a whole new industry. And that's the platform I stand on. Because we can can spend hours talking how people do business wrong. And what we should spend all our time on is saying, hey, check it out, man. Helping them how. It's a new day, baby. And it's a new way. Because all that does is put them on the defense, right? And I've witnessed it myself. It puts them on the defense. That's why a lot of people don't like my message. Because I speak a message I think is disruptive, right? As the group The Disruptors is all about. It's very disruptive. If you've been running your grandfather's dojong and your father's dojong and, you know, your martial arts school or your kung fu academy with contracts, upgrades, belt fees for decades... And you got this crazy guy coming along going, month-to-month subscriptions, no front desk, no program director. You know how many program directors don't like me right now? <laughs> I'm sure. What do you mean I have to put a uniform yeah. back on and lose 30 pounds and go teach again? I was happy just sitting here selling contracts, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, but everybody's got to find their own version of success. Now, I do this one exercise. Um, I have a four-day retreat coming up. And we climb up this jungle gym in, in a park. And I said, go. And we all climb up it. Mm. And we're all at the top. I said, did we all climb up this thing the same way? No. Well, we're all at the top. Just figure out what's your way to the top. Mm -hmm. Right. And if it's not values based, it's not authentic, then it's a lie. And if we're going to live a lie, then who cares how successful you are? Because there's going to be that time when all the music's off and the lights are off you and your phone's put away. You know, you got to sit with yourself. And no amount of money is going to take away that. No amount of money. Yeah. So, so why are you doing retreat? What motivated? What was your motivation? Well, because I look at our industry. Again, you go to these conventions and normally they're loaded, right? If I go to this convention, it's all of their products and their speakers. I go to this convention, it's all of their products and their speakers. And honestly, the information I think, again, because people aren't in the correct mindset, they go to these things and they buy a bunch of stuff they'll never, ever use. They'll never use. So when I cultivated this retreat, because I've been on many retreats in my life. And if you really want to get to the source of things, you have to, it's a process of self-discovery. 
And it's really recognizing that it's not just about writing systems. It's not just about being a great leader. It's not just about rotating curriculum. It's not just about the Disney experience. It's not just about social media. It's not just about how to set your business up properly and be profitable and scale and monetize it. It's all of those things collectively, but it's also mm-hmm. working from the heart and the mind. And if all that's integrated, then the potential is unlimited. And it's about tapping into our unlimited potential. So I facilitate this four days on myself. So the message is consistent. Nice. I, I am bringing in Sam, a, a guy named Sam on to the next event uh, because he does no finances and he's got one school, 120 students. He's a multimillionaire. And I think that's something we need to learn because not a lot of people want multiple locations. But when they learn that with one small school, you can be extremely profitable and create retirement freedom, not retirement, but retirement freedom. We need that. So, but other than that, I'm the person that facilitates it Four hard days, meditation, silent meditative walks, a lot of things outdoors. We're journaling together. We're mind mapping. Mm-hmm. We're learning what is our version of success. And so it's a much different thing, but they'll still get rotating curriculum, leadership, Disney experience, branding, social media. They get all that yeah. too. They get all of it too. Okay. Thank you for thank you for doing all these things. I mean, yeah, there's nothing like that in our industry. Nothing. No, there is not. And you know, one of the things that uh, you know, I keep applauding you because you are a game changer, and and you know, that's what we need in this industry. We, I'm, I'm tired of the cookie cutter coaches. I've hired some. You know, I've you know because they spew out things that <clears throat> sometimes sound really good, right? And then you start working with them. And it's like, wait a minute. It sounds to me like you're reading from a script. Sizzle up front. Yeah. Sizz- yeah. Sizzle up front. Nothing on the back end. You're not even, li- you're not even listening to what I'm saying. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, you're, you're reading. So I'm like, okay, we're done. But we need more of what you're offering. So I, I applaud you and I thank you for helping this industry, which I love. I love it too. You know, and I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of you. I'm a big fan of what you're doing. And, you know, anytime that I'm near you, I always like, you know, I, I'm going to come if I can to any of your events, if, I, if I'm able to. And when we think about the level change that everyone listening to this podcast, and it does not matter if you're a martial arts instructor or you have a mom and shop type of business, it doesn't matter the type of business. But when we lead the way you're saying that we need to lead, it will manifest itself into growth. That growth mentality is what we need in our lives. And it's, it's that, that it's, you know, I have to take it all for me, 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 me. Meanwhile, we should be more givers because the more we give, the more we receive. Well, and, and, and Sifu, it's the yin-yang, right? Yin-yang. Someone said to me one time, you know, the way you speak, you're so full of yourself. Mm. I said, well, who else should I be full of? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Or you're very self-centered. Mm. Yes, I am. Myself is centered. That's why I make good choices and take the right action because myself is centered. So, but people are afraid to do that, right? Because they, they're, they're not self-centered. They're actually egotistical and narcissistic and insecure. There's a very thin line in there. And, and we must have our own personal systems of checks and balances to weigh that out every day to know, oh, am I going to the dark side or, you know, am I leading that right life for me? But that's why it's live your best life. 
And that takes a lot of courage because I am boldly going where no one's gone in our industry and I'm making mistakes and I'm fumbling and falling. And there's no script, Sifu. There's no script. I'm out here cultivating content and stuff that's never existed. So people go, that won't work because I've got 40 years of data that says contracts work. Well, tell that to Steve Jobs, tell that to Elon Musk, tell that. And, and, you know, those are, those guys are light years in their fields, but I believe somebody needs to be an Elon Musk in the martial arts. Someone needs to be the Steve Jobs. And it's, you know, they took them how many decades before it hit, but when it hits, and I believe the next generation is the one who's really going to get it, you know, really get the, the teaching that I'm offered this, this type of running a business, our industry is going to change. For it to survive, it has to change. I, I believe. Oh, oh yeah. Cause right now, much like the world, right? Mm-hmm. 1% of the martial arts industry makes 99% of the wealth, but we're made up predominantly of the single school owner with less than a hundred students. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I sit in the 1% tax bracket. I know what that's like. I know what that's like. And I have the ability to move and have the money to move things and stuff. You're one guy with working a day job, running a school at night, trying to move from part-time to full-time, making the martial arts your full career. It's tough. That's rough. That's rough. But those are the people I love to work with. You know, the, the, the people that look hopeless, the people that are the hardest to work with, the hoi polloi, the common man, because that's most satisfying. Yeah. You know, to move the needle from 75 to 100 is hard. 100 to 150. Mm-hmm. Give me a guy with 400 students. I'll get you to six. That's a walk in the park. Yeah, it's easier because they have systems in order to have gotten 400. Correct. Correct. So without systems, you know, and a lot of people who have smaller schools. You know, like you said, even 50 to 75 don't have a system. Mm-mm. They don't have a method of when they enroll, no. what's their next step, this, that, the other. Personality driven. Brandon, you know, I, I love to support you in any way you, I can, you know, because I, I believe in what you're doing. Tell, tell my audience how they can contact you in case they want to come to a workshop. Absolutely. Or just follow you or anything like that. Of course, BrandonBliso.com. Everything I do is there. So whether you want to buy my book, Live, Learn, Grow, which is available on Amazon, on Kindle, it's also available at every audio format as well. Um, Audible, Audible, it's there. It's, you know, I have a podcast. I have several podcasts. Again, if you just Google my name. Oh, let's, talk about the, let's talk about your podcast for a minute. And then one more thing. I'm going to ask you a favor. I'm going to ask you to send me the book. I'll send you the money. I don't worry about that. And I, I want it signed. I'll, I'll send you a copy. And, and yeah. And then the other thing is, let's talk about your podcast because I listen to podcasts all the time, right? And unfortunately, I have not listened to you, so not to yours. So now I have to start listening. So talk to us about your podcast for a sec. Well, you know, I've been doing my show, Success Never Sleeps, at Facebook Live for about six years now. And it's, you know, it's me. It's just me. I don't have guests on. Very rarely do I have guests. Um, I think it dilutes the message for me, for me. And again, it's disruptive, right? How many people can hold the, hold down the fort for a whole hour, yeah. right? We, we need a distraction. We need a guest to take the pressure off us. I choose not to do that. Mm-hmm. So that turned into a podcast. So it's called success never sleeps. Another beautiful thing that came out of that is mindful meditations. And when this pandemic started, I started a nightly meditation and it was mainly for me to keep my head straight and strong and in the game, you know, with all, all the uncertainty going up around us. So I now have a second podcast, Mindful Meditation. And, and it's beautiful. I mean, they're, they're both growing. The platforms are growing. They're relatively new. 
You know, we've only started moving shows and stuff over recently. So they can find me there. And then, of course, every social media platform, whether it's LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, you know, it's, it's very easy to find me. And people find me quite readily. You said your podcast is, is Facebook Live. Is it an actual like? A... No, no, it, it's on Apple. It's on. Oh, OK. OK. Spotify. It's everywhere. But we broadcast it live. Then we take it and strip the audio. And then it ends up on all the podcast platforms. OK, I'll start following you. I need to listen. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, well, it really is. Like you said, whether you're a mom and pop business or a martial arts school, it doesn't matter. These types of service-based, culture-driven, purpose-driven philosophies aren't anything new per se. But once we truly understand that Mm -hmm. and we can move from that fraternity mindset where we have indentured servants working for us and we truly take care of our team and pay them well with 401ks, medical benefits, vacation with pay, clear, clear vision for advancement, all of that then we can legitimize what we do. We truly can. But as long as we got people paying us in an upgrade and teaching for free, I'm going to leave too when it's time to go to college. All day, every day. And that doesn't help our industry. Absolutely. And that's, that's one of our Achilles heels. It does not. Right? That's one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you think the average Apple employee gets paid $90,000 a year, but they generate mm-hmm. $1.3 million a year, I have no problem paying you 90 grand. Zero. Oh, yeah. Zero. So if we stop to think how much revenue a top instructor is generating for us, what is that worth? It's 100K all day, all day, all day. Easy. Easy. But people don't know. You're lucky I let you teach. You're lucky. <laughs> no. and, and you pay me in an upgrade for it. Okay. Mm. And you're going to clean the school. Mm. Okay. And so once that begins to change, I think the potential just in all our relationships, you know, going back to the top of this thing, I am a giver and I don't come to the plate. Like JFK said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. You do that with every relationship, your wife, your significant other, your family, your team, your community. You will never lose. You will be the richest person in the world. You will. You will. Well, thank you so much for today. I think it was it was a lot of fun. And I know we could keep going and going. So we may have to do this again. <laughs> anytime. I'll come back anytime you want. Anytime you want. Cool. Well, thank you, Sifu. All right. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Have an amazing day. You as well. Thank you so much for such a fun conversation. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Raphael. Thank you, and I really pr- thank you for listening. This concludes part one of my interview with Brandon Belisso. Stay tuned, as the next one will be just as intriguing.